This is episode 406 of The Amy Ayler Show. Show notes can be found at amyaylorshow.com forward slash 406. On today's show, we have Jill Wesley talking about speaking your mission. The Amy Ayler Show is especially for powerful women that are ready to stop being so hard on themselves, stop believing that crazy never enough cycle so that they can rise into the leader they were born to be. I am so excited to have Jill on today's show. I have to tell you that when I got booked to speak at Women at Google back in 2015, I hired Jill to be my speaking coach because I knew that I needed to take my talk that I had been really delivering on my podcast, at women's retreats, and on stages that were a very different environment than walking into Google. And that is Jill's specialty. And thanks to her, I rocked that talk and it led to more work inside Silicon Valley companies. So I am so excited for you to get a taste of Jill today. Let me introduce you to her. She's the secret weapon for leaders who give major keynotes on massive stages. We're talking about TEDx, Web Summit, Wisdom 2.0, Women at Google, NPR, and global corporate and industry conferences. Jill Wesley is an executive speaking coach and strategist for leaders and Fortune 500 companies and the head of speaker coaching at TEDx San Francisco. She coaches people at the top of their professional game to become compelling, sought-after keynote speakers. She combines the science and soul of speaking, digging deep to articulate why you're doing this work and honing your ability to deliver on stage authentically. You're going to love today's show. We're going to talk about Jill's special formula of prove it, relate it, inspire, and activate. We'll talk about what a future maker is and why you want to be one and how to discover what's needed in the world that only you can deliver on. Jill also talks a little bit about her signature keynote accelerator program that I highly, highly recommend that you check out. You can learn more about Jill at her website at sciencesoulspeaking.com. That's sciencesoulspeaking.com. And now without further ado, on with the show. So welcome, Jill. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled. (laughs) So I would just love for you to share a bit of your story and how you ended up in the profession that you ended up in. I feel like it was one of the luckiest journeys out there. Um, (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I started out. um, It's a combination of my adventurous spirit and a bunch of luck and, um, and finding an, an opportunity. Um, so I worked, um, as a business English instructor, I had a a deep love of travel and spent about six and a half years overseas when I was in my twenties. And one of the jobs I had was working with senior executives, helping them, um, learn business English. And I had a theater, uh, background, when I was in college. And so I started to kind of coach them on their, their presence and how they, they showed up in front of a room and we would work on their press conferences and they would speak internationally. And I would, I would start to prep them for their international conferences. So I started doing that work when I was in my twenties actually, and returned to the States and at 30, got my uh, graduate degree at NYU in, in um, intercultural communication, 
because I'm really fascinated around how culture influences how we speak and receive messages. And then I was able to do a lot of high level corporate work all over the world, uh, my 20s and, and uh, sorry, my 30s and 40s, um, working with leaders, uh, entrepreneurs and corporate leaders who want to share their messages on some of the biggest stages and also some of the smaller rooms where big decisions are made. How has your um, social justice heart, <laughs> which I know is such a big part of who you are and how you show up and really the types of speakers that I see going through your programs, your accelerator, for example, are people that have messages that are so important for the world to hear right now specifically. How has your social justice training, your background in that, how has that influenced the way that you coach speakers? Well, the way I coach speakers and the influence of social justice shows up in a few different ways. One is, listen, the stages, both virtually and, and in person, these stages have been dominated by too few people and too few messages. Yes. So for years, most of us have just gone along with whatever message, like if you believe in yourself, you could do anything, you know, and this, this hyper, <laughs> this hyper individualistic component of U.S. culture that it's like all up to us to be self-made or pull ourselves up for, from our bootstraps. And that if your attitude, if you just keep plugging along and your attitude uh, is strong enough, you'll be rewarded. And in fact, I mean, truly the research shows your zip code is the biggest indicator of your success. So I'm not anti-positive um, attitude but it's realistic optimism. And I want to empower people to take the stage and speak to their own lived experiences. So it's really about getting, making sure that we have equitable opportunities for the folks who are seen as experts. And you don't have to have a certain pedigree and go to Harvard or Stanford to be taken seriously, that there's you know, there's a, a Vietnamese business owner who, you know, maybe she didn't go to college and she's run a small business successfully in her community. Um, she's worthy of a microphone and she can speak to that journey. So for sure, it's getting different people on stages. And then the second piece, the social justice is I do audience focused coaching. So so many people who get on stages are focused on what they want to say and their message and their journey. And I believe if we're going to get on stage, it has to be serving the audience and it has to be inclusive and don't get on the stage unless you're actually going to work to help people take action. So that's, that's how, <laughs> that's how it influences the work I do. I love that. Well, and I think that it, it's so interesting because I know that there's people listening right now. There might be people that are already speakers that are already on stages or people that feel like they have something that they want to share. They see something that is missing in the space and they would love the opportunity to be in front of a room and share something. What do you feel like are the first steps for some of those that maybe haven't had a microphone before, but they have a unique experience. They see something that's missing and they can really tell that they would make a difference and have an impact. What are some of the first steps for them? Well, I generally work. I mean, my clients are all experienced speakers. They're yeah. usually 
corporate execs or um, successful entrepreneurs who have been speaking for years, but they haven't necessarily been speaking about their own experience. So they're usually speaking for their company in some uh, instances, most instances, and they're not necessarily, they haven't had the opportunity to step back and think about their unique contribution and perspectives and how, you know, their thought leadership comes into play, the way that they work and, and the vision they have for the future. So if it's someone who's just starting out, I'm, I'm always encouraging people to look for local opportunities uh, within their communities to get started. And speaking out is the most important thing to do. So it's, it's thinking I want to say, but having the courage to share them aloud in your church or synagogue or temple or mosque, it's speaking up in, in, you know, the PTA meetings. Yes. It's just getting in the habit of speaking up really makes a difference. And, you know, taking a Toastmasters class or something at your local community college where you're able to practice the fundamentals. If it's someone who is an experienced speaker, then my advice is different. My advice is always what's the story you came here to tell? Like if you had to give the talk of your life that represents what you believe deeply, what would you actually say if you couldn't get in trouble? Or if you couldn't, you know, if you weren't afraid about offending people or you weren't afraid that people would judge you, what would you really want to tell people? And when you start thinking about your message from that standpoint, you can always reel things in, but you at least have to be kind of bold and audacious about what you really stand for. The other thing I'm usually saying to clients is once you get the, a sense of what you want to talk about, what's your unique perspective? So especially corporate audiences, they've heard a lot of similar messages over and over again. So what's your special sauce? What is it about your culture, your background, your identity, your, the unique experience that you've had in this world that frames things differently and can really move people. And then the third thing I'm always asking my clients is let's, let's do some actual research to know that what you're speaking about is going to work because your own personal journey is not always enough. We have to know that if you're, if you're out there speaking on a leadership principle, um, in theory, it may be great, but we don't know if it's actually something that gets results. So you're going to want to have some proof and you're going to want to make sure that the market actually wants to hear it. So in the speaking industry, every seven-ish years, there's a focus. So, you know, it was emotional intelligence years ago, and then it focused to authenticity and bringing your, you know, being yourself, and then it's, it's belonging. So they're all different themes in, in the conference space that tend to be exciting and people will pay for. So it's also tracking you know, what, what the actual, the actual market wants. What do you feel like right now, especially, you know, here we are in a time when a, a real uprising is happening in our society, especially around the Black Lives Matter movement. What do you feel like is going to be that next wave of what is needed in the space around what people are talking about? Not that I you have a crystal ball, Jill. <laughs> Not that you have a crystal ball, but I know you've been doing this for a really long time. And I know that you are one of those women that like you just pay attention on such a deep level and from all of these different perspectives, like you can hear it even in your background 
around, you know, the way that you've been involved, like had your ear on the ground around what's going on culturally, what's, what's happening right now, what are executives speaking about, what are companies speaking about, like you bring all of this expertise. So I'm curious what you think that next wave is going to be. I appreciate it. Well, right now, one of the most marketable topics is culture. It's mm-hmm. culture in the place. And it's also the future of work. Do you see an intersection of those two things? I think it's culture. It's the future of work, meaning how we work. And it, the third piece is accountability. The, the great thing right now is the general public is having, a percentage of the general public is having an awakening of sorts and realizing that there have been systemic issues that have plagued our culture and country from its inception and that we, we don't truly have an equal society in any respect. And so people are noticing companies uh, and entrepreneurs who are speaking to, they want to do better or putting out statements. And what I think is on the horizon is this culture of accountability. And it's not about punishing people. It's about people standing up and saying, I want to do better and I can do better. And these are the steps I'm engaged in right now to, to be better. So I think it's a new type of leadership. And um, the term I use, are I call them future makers. Mm. They're the people that are consciously shaping the future versus reacting to it. So they're paying attention to how we work in the workplace and how we live in the environment. They're paying attention to culture and how it shapes our perception of things and how we're in this together. And they're also fully accountable and they are not, they're not shying away of taking responsibility and making things happen. I love that. The future makers. I think that's so incredibly powerful. And that's why I know for you, when you are coaching people at, you know, TEDx in San Francisco, and you're, you'll share with me some of the speakers that you're working with and my mind is always blown. I'm like, what? That's that part, you know? So I'm curious, like, can you share a couple of the speakers that you've worked with recently, whether it's a TED talk or something like something that you can obviously publicly share about those messages and what, and what ended up happening for them when they really found their voice and were able to take a stand on the stage? Oh, there's so many examples. I know. Um, you have so many amazing clients. It's incredible. I think, well, that's where I, I, first off, I'm really fortunate that I actually get to do something I love for a living. And yeah. I realize it's not, it's a luxury and many people don't have that opportunity. So I will start by saying that all of my clients, whether they're top scientists or they're executives or they're community activists or pro athletes, um, someone doesn't have to have a huge platform or be, be really well-known to have something truly meaningful and worthwhile to share. So a couple of examples that come to mind, um, one is, I'm going to, I'm trying to tell some different stories because I think I've awesome. told the same eight or 10 examples. So let me give, give me one second here. Yes, yes, yes. File through think, all of the amazing people you've worked with. Just so well, I, I'm going to go, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to go with just what is recent as yes. of last week. I just, awesome. I just finished um, my virtual keynote accelerator and I had an amazing um, client 
named Diana, who is the leading expert on gender. And mm. she's a speaker that speaks with not only, she has so much experience, but her, her expertise is advocating for trans kids in schools. Mm. And I, I see myself as a progressive, you know, very well-read person and just sitting and listening to how she speaks to teachers and administrators around our collective responsibility to make sure that these kids can thrive. What was so moving to me was to help her identify what is it, what's your special sauce as an educator that helps people see the importance of supporting these children and making sure, in her words, that they can, they can express their identity the way they want to so they can thrive in the workplace. In the, uh, setting. And so we were able to step back and look at her actual, the way she operates. Well, she has, she has a master's degree in public policy and policy is usually something that people just like their eyes glaze over. And she is, she thinks policy is so sexy. And I said, you do realize you're a total nerd around this. And most people <laughs> run away. I said, right, right. you need to lean into the fact that you're, so we, we reworked the way, you know, she's an experienced speaker we reworked the way she talks about policy and, and fully acknowledging she thinks it's amazing and fascinating and then saying to the audience, I know this stuff can, you know, bore you to tears, but this policy is the way you're going to get, you know, the support you need and I have your back and let me show you all the policy. I, you know, I've done all the hard work and heavy lifting to identify the policies that will support you and your schools to make sure these children are protected and supported. And so it's, it was really gratifying to help someone who's already an expert, who's really passionate about her work, tap into the stuff that she's doing quietly when no one is around. And that's actually the superpower. It's the, her ability to dig into the policy and know what, what can really serve children. So that's an example. Um, another example from that same cohort I worked with was working with uh, my client, Joe, who was a, an eight-year veteran NFL legend and played a center and taught, talking about his journey off the field and what was next for him. And he's created this collective where he's supporting pro athletes um, in their next chapter. And we got, we got into really deep work around identity and what courage really is and the concept of a warrior. If you're an NFL player, and you're, you actually make it to the, to the big time. I mean, it's, there's a hundred thousand high school football. Wow. Wow. And, um, to be able to get to the NFL is an incredible feat. So what he, what he was saying is we have to redefine what a warrior is. And a, a warrior doesn't necessarily mean it's someone who's fighting. There's wisdom and heart and, you know, courage and um, the willingness to keep going when things get tough. And so crafting a message around finding purpose after football uh, was really gratifying. And I know, I mean, he's helping to shape our concepts of modern manhood and what that really means. And it's okay to be uncertain and that doesn't, you know, you can, you can separate your identity from your, your profession. And so, I mean, I, I can, I can gush about my clients all day long yeah. because they're, 
they're all doing. I have this weird, I call it like the cocktail. Like the, the uh, I don't work with one type of client, meaning they're in one industry, but having a group of people, I love dinner parties and it's like, I'm throwing a dinner party. I have really interesting people from different backgrounds and they learn from each other. They support each other. And we're all working in our own zone of genius to make things better. I love that. Well, and I'm really hearing the way that you're able to take someone's personal story and help them identify that secret sauce that then it's like, you don't have to be a pro athlete in the audience or a parent of a trans kid or be trans yourself in order to take all of those lessons and apply it to your own life. Like it applies to every single person in the room. And the beauty of that, the beauty of being able to really draw that out so that you can like that, either of those speakers can be in front of any audience and everybody's going to receive something. That's the goal. Because one of the big things I say to every client is if you're, if you're crafting a message that's for everyone, it actually ends up being for no one, mm. meaning it's so generic and it doesn't really land. But if you, if you tap into your own journey and what you truly believe and you speak to, to a unique experience that can then be extrapolated, it, it could then be applied to, to us in our own journey, that's what, that's what really connects with an audience. So I'm not trans. I don't have a trans child, but listening to the way she spoke around the concept of justice and why our policies and laws are our workplaces and schools, and you see that, listen, these, of course, all children deserve the right to be supported and, and be able to thrive. That's something that's really hard to disagree with, but she gets to speak about that one path that a, a trans child is walking and we're able as audience members to make that connection. Beautiful. So beautiful. And I know from working with you myself and having received your expert guidance and coaching, just the leveling up that happens when you work with your clients. It's, I know that there's a rigor that which you approach your work that brings out the best in people. It's just, it's so inspiring, Jill. I don't mean to gush all over you, but but it, it really is. It's one of those things. And like you were saying, you know, I, I've been speaking for a really long time, but it's very different to be speaking at a women's retreat that I put together every woman in the room and they've come to see me speak versus going into, you know, the women at Google group where people don't know who I am. They're not, Mm. they're not necessarily going to be at a a retreat with me ever, but Mm. trying to make it so that when I'm up on that stage, which you helped me do like to ground it in research, to ground it in not just my story from the clients that I've been working with, but to look at it from a much like a global context and being able to then bring in statistics, bring in studies, bring in the grounding of that so that people get that I'm not just talking from my, my little experience, but from what is actually happening in the culture and what we're seeing the research is really showing us. Right. And we, we, there's four things we're going to want to do in any talk that we're giving, whether it's on a stage online, on the spot, we want to make sure that we are backing up what we're talking about, meaning the audience is saying, prove it. They're also saying, relate to me. Even if you have a different journey and you're telling a story, 
what does that mean to the audience? And a lot of people will forget to, to flip their story at the end and tell the audience what that may mean to them. People want to be inspired and they also want to be activated. Yes. So if, if you can, as a checklist, I always say to clients, four things, prove it, prove it to your audience, relate to them, inspire them and activate them. Because I don't actually care if people get a standing ovation. They're wonderful. I love getting them, but I care about what they do when they leave and they go back to work or they go home and has behavior changed? Have I truly served them? So it's, it's, and I will say in terms of the, your talk at Google, it was, you know, one of the top rated talks they've ever had and your own personal journey, plus all those dates that you led over the years, once, once you were able to reinforce what you were talking about with the data and the research, which only, which only showed that your instincts and your experience were right on, um, that's, that combination is what made your talk so relatable and, and solid and, and why Google wanted to continue working with you. Thank you. Well, and it was because of the expertise of your coaching, because I had not done it in that corp, in the corporate environment in that way before. And so it was, it was really powerful. I, I love what you said, prove it, make it relatable, inspire, and then activate. And I remember that so much when you were coaching me of like, how can this be actionable? What are they going to do when they walk out the door? What's the tool that you're going to give them that is something oh. they can take so that it can really make a difference? Because you know, I, and this is why I think your work is so, it's so service-based. Like everything that you do, Jill, is about being of service to the world at large, to social justice issues. It's, it's, it's how you live and breathe. And it's not how everyone lives and breathes. Mm. <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of speaker trainers out there where, you know, and, and like you said, there's been this kind of, I don't know, conglomerate of speakers mm. that have been on stages forever and mm-hmm. that are, sa- are doing the same messages over and over again, that motivational speaker that's there at the sales conferences that revving yeah. everybody up. And then the woman comes on and it's the same body type and the same outfit and the same everything, right. you know? And so, you know, you're really bringing in these voices that aren't normally heard. Yeah, it's important. And there, we've needed to disrupt the speaking industry for a long time. I've been in the industry 30 years. And yes, you have the can speaker who's been doing the same shtick for 30, you know, 30 straight years. It doesn't matter who's in front of that person. They're going to give the same talk. You have people that are, you know, getting up and um, manipulating audiences to using all kinds of social triggers to create some sort of sense of urgency that may not actually be there or Mm -hmm. to gaslight or to cause people to question their own, um, their own instincts or their own experiences. And, you know, nothing about the work I do is about creating a false sense of scarcity, a false sense of, you know, um, credibility. It's, I don't think it's, you're not in service to your audience if your goal is to move them where you want them to be. Uh, everybody's on their for you know their own journey. So, telling someone who has to make a big financial decision and they say, "Hey, I need to talk to my spouse," and then going back to back at them with, "Well, if you really believed in yourself, you would make your own decisions," or "Why aren't you in power? Like, are you kidding? If, right. if you know, how many of us would be ticked if our partner came home and said, "I just spent you know five or ten grand something." I, I think 
you know, having open communication in a relationship is important. So right. I, I am against a lot of the manipulative tactics that are in corporate and in entrepreneur space around how to um, speak to quote unquote sell from a stage. I'm about service and people, it has to be right time, right people, right message, right place for, um, for people to make lasting change. And I don't want people to feel a lot of reasons why people go from, they find a guru or they'll go from one event to the next event, to the next event, to the next event is they're not getting equipped with what they need to do. Um, and they're, they're not truly being served. It's someone solves a teeny little problem, but then reminds them of a second problem they have. And then they have to keep working with the person. My, you know, my deliverable, I'm used to working in corporate. You have to deliver what you say you're going to deliver. So if I'm my keynote accelerator, I'm going to show you how to create your keynote. And if we never work together again, you always know how to create a keynote. If you want to continue working together, fabulous. But I've, I've equipped someone with a tool that they, and an asset, their keynote, that they can continue to de- develop business around for their careers. I love it. And I remember, you know, you always call it like the accordion style where I can say I was just had a call the other day with a, with a company and I was talking with them about what I can do virtually for them since they're not able to gather in person the way that they would like to. And I said to them, I can, I can do this topic for 45 minutes or I can do it for three days. What do you need? Like what? And it was like, it's the same topic, but I can expand it. If I have two hours in a room, awesome. There's going to be more interaction. I'm going to do more partner exercises, or I can shrink it on up if I only have 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And that's because of the work that you do with your clients that where you really show them the pillars of their talk so that they can expand it or contract it, depending on what's necessary for the client. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's the goal. And actually, the the hardest thing to do is create a really short talk. So yes, <laughs> so my true. initial work with people is to create something that's about ten minutes long that yeah. really represents their thought leadership and their work. Because uh, on stage for forty five minutes, you can kind of fart around and get lost and <laughs> get back on track. Totally. Um, so true. I've done that. I've yep. done that. But um, a ten minute talk, it's yeah. it's getting laser focused, and then you can always expand it. And even I, you know, I show them how. Okay, great. You're you're being interviewed on a panel, or you're doing a media interview. We've created your your ten minute foundation piece. Here's how you will pull it out and just do a three minute spot on a you know a morning show or or yeah. on a panel. Yeah. So. Um, we're about to wrap up, but I wanted to do two things. I have a question that I always ask all of my guests, which I'm going to ask you in a minute, but I would love, do you have an accelerator that's coming up? I know that, and I know people might be listening to this right when this is released or later on, but how can people find out about your speaker accelerator program? Yeah, sure. Um, we are, we have an accelerator that is starting June 25th, Mm -hmm. which is just about is away with recording time. Um, and then we'll do another one in, um, late summer. We're still working on the dates, but I, I offer this, uh, three to four times a year. And if someone is interested, the easiest way actually for, for your community is to reach out to me directly, uh, Jill at science, soul speaking.com. My company is the science and soul of speaking. Um, so Jill at science soul, S O U L speaking.com. And I'll, I'll just re- respond to people directly because it's your community. Awesome. And uh, yeah, that's it. 
Awesome. Well, and I'll have a link in the show notes as well. And Jill's email in the show notes. So you can check that out in the show notes. And, um, and what I would say is that for those of you that have been speaking a while and you're ready to really nail it and really bring your voice out in, in, in a way that you can, that's really beyond your imagination of where you think you might be able to go, but you're feeling that call, especially right now in the environment. We, we need people, especially people from marginalized communities to be getting that microphone and to be standing on that stage. And so if that is you, I highly encourage you to email Jill and, you know, get on the phone with her or a member of her team to see if the accelerator might be right. I can't recommend it highly enough. And I've seen the level, I've experienced the level of up, up leveling that happens when working with Jill personally. And also Thanks. over the years of just seeing all of these people that, you know, at their TED talks or TEDx talks, what have you, just what is happening over there. So I can't recommend it highly enough. So definitely check that out. Oh, okay. thanks. Yeah, of course. So here's my last question for you, Jill. And that is what's messy and what's magical about life for you right now? Mm. What's messy? <laughs> do I what's need to say, dear Lord, how many time do we have? But what's messy aside from my hair right now is <laughs> being, I mean, being in shelter in place and working as a single mom and having a, you know, having to school and do work and make adjustments because of the live event space and being able to create all kinds of new opportunities, but juggling it's messy to have, you know, my nine-year-old as my coworker during the day. But the, the part that's magic is having a nine-year-old with me all day long. And, um, the, she's got the most beautiful spirit and while I'm working throughout my day, um, I may go into a room to have in my office to have a client call, but I can hear her singing while she's coloring or she's working on something. And I just, the magic is we're in this together and, and I have this beautiful little soul and, um, I'm getting to spend even more time than I always, than I normally do. So that's what I, that's the beauty. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Jill, for being here. And thank you all so much for tuning in. With that, it's Amy Ehler signing off, reminding you to embrace the messiness and the magic of life. Until next time. Bye-bye, everyone.